Stay with me, stay with me. Stay with me, stay with me. You stay with me. Gwen. Gwen. No, please, please. Hey guys, welcome to Tribe of Nerds. Uh, tonight, JJ and I are finishing our second uh, uh, version of our Spider-Man movies. We're going to finish Andrew Garfield's storyline for now, unless he comes back. Um, and so, Amazing Spider-Man 2. So, what were your impressions of this movie, JJ? Okay, so I'm going to take more of a controversial stance on this movie through this episode. I actually liked it a lot more than I had remembered liking it. Um, and I think my uh, like my former bad impression of it was not just kind of Max's progression throughout this movie, which we'll get into that more later, but also the fact that they did kind of what Spider-Man 3 did, which is shove too much into one movie. Mm-hmm. But rewatching it, they actually handled that stuff better than they did in Spider-Man 3. Not great, mm-hmm. but better. Um, so, I mean, still a decent movie. Um, not a fantastic movie, but better than that. <laughs> yeah, I had a different impression. So, from the beginning of the movie, and I see Paul Giamatti as Rhino, and I'm just like, why? Like, Paul Giamatti is good, but he just doesn't fit Rhino. <laughs> um... And then it's just, and then it's just, from the beginning also, like, the the cuts and, like, the edits of, like, Spider-Man swinging and in the action just didn't look great to me. I don't know why, it just kind of didn't, it didn't look as clean as some of the other shots, even in the previous uh, Andrew Garfield uh, Amazing Spider-Man did, or some of the shots in Tobey's, and definitely they will improve when we get to the MCU. Um, but it just, yeah, to me, and there's things that I had an issue with Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker and the way that I guess they wrote him with his interactions with Harry and just kind of, I don't know, just like, oh, Harry's, Harry's, we'll talk about it when we get to Dane, talking Dane Han as Harry Osborn, but just Harry is dying of a disease and Peter's just like, you know, I won't help you. It's just kind of, I don't really like that, but we'll, we'll talk about all this. Um, so let's get into our cast, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker, and as I just mentioned, there's 
there's still definitely that kind of cool Peter Parker vibe that I don't relate to, but I do think Andrew Garfield still is a good, a, mu- a much better actor than Tobey Maguire in many ways, so um, I will give him that. I don't necessarily think any of the faults are actually Andrew Garfield's fault. They're more on the writing and directing. Yeah, I I have pretty much the same opinion of Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man this movie as I did in The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, I really like his delivery of comedic lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love his acting. I love his relationship with Gwen Stacy. But he just does not have the look Mm-hmm. or quite the right delivery of what I feel Peter Parker should be. Agreed. Um, so, like, he's just off for me to be Spider-Man and Peter Parker, but I still really like him. Yeah, oh, I agreed. I don't think he's terrible at all. I think he's good. I think there's aspects of him that I liked in the first Amazing Spider-Man. It's just kind of the way this one was written, where it kind of just took me away from it, and I can see kind of why why Andrew Garfield was done after this movie. Although, uh, I guess apparently, because they were setting stuff up in this, I think there was another reason. Apparently, Andrew Garfield, I guess, didn't go to like a Sony conference or something to help promote more... Spider-Man, and I guess that's why he got fired, that there's kind of that story there. Um, I don't know how true that is, but I also think the, that combined with the fact that Amazing Spider-Man 2 didn't perform great kind of sealed its fate um, with this uh, fran- little franchise for Sony. Um, then let's talk about Emma Stone, and we'll kind of get to her death scene um, here, uh, but... I still like Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. I thought she did a good job. Um, and I think her relationship with Andrew Garfield, I, again, I think they were dating at the time, or they had dated, so that probably helps it. But I liked her. I, um, again, uh, like you said, I do love their chemistry mm-hmm. through the movie. One thing, though, that just didn't sell for me is this whole will-they-won't-they thing that they tried to sell in this one. Yeah. But there wasn't enough of, like, enough pressure on Peter to actually be apart from her. Um, And they just got right back together anyway. Like, it wasn't a fight to get back together. They just fell right back into the relationship. So I didn't buy that storyline. But I do love... Um, Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. I think she played the role very, very well. Yeah, and I mean, we have, you know, Peter is haunted by, like, images of her father um, and in this movie as well, which I I actually did think that was a kind of a nice touch, um, just to have that, you know, take, to have that have an effect on Peter um, a little bit. I mean, I guess they still were trying to get together, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was good to see that, and I liked um, I liked it, it wasn't quite PTSD because mm-hmm. that's not really what he was experiencing. Right. But I, I I did like seeing the effects of the trauma that he had gone through in um, the previous movie actually take effect in a real way in this world. Right. Agreed. Um... And then Sally Field is Aunt May. I think she's a good Aunt May. I don't think we've had a terrible Aunt May, even when we're going to get into the MCU. I don't think that 
any Aunt May has been terrible um, at all. So I think Sally Field is good as the motherly role. Does um, does her Aunt May ever find out that Peter became Spider Man? Um, I'm trying to remember from when I rewatched it this week. Um, do I, you... it, it's not really hinted at. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, this version of Aunt May, if she did know that Peter was Spider Man, I feel like she would have put up a big fight about it. That, I could see yeah. Rosemary Harris's Aunt May, like, actually knowing and still letting him be Spider Man. But this Aunt May, I can't see doing that. Yeah, well, and I that I think that's exactly what happened with like Spider Man Two. Is Rosemary Harris's Aunt May knew that Toby's Peter Parker was Spider Man. Like she found that out, and she's just like, you know, I know you're saving everybody. Go back out there and do it. And you know, I that's I guess that's why I'm not remembering because it didn't happen. Like it, or it's not really hinted at that uh, Aunt May finds out in this one, which. It's fine. I just kind of think, I think it'd be cool for, um, that trend to continue. And I mean, we're gonna see an interesting version of Aunt May finding out in the MCU when we get to that. So, um, I I do kind of like having that be a little bit different with each Spider-Man that we've gotten to, though. Mm-hmm. Because um, each Spider-Man in their own respect is unique for different reasons. Right. Agreed. Um, now let's get to the villains' castings. Um, and this villain we will not be ranking because he really wasn't in the movie much, but Paul Giamatti, who is I think is a good actor, I think he... we've I've seen him play a villain in, like, Big Fat Liar, where he plays, like, a really mean evil like movie producer but as rhino this is just not the right role for paul giamatti to play so yeah i am yeah i don't like the rhino that they gave us and i don't like paul giamatti for the role of rhino i do like paul giamatti and i do like rhino but i just don't think it's a great fit right Um, i agree with you yeah (laughs) <laughs> we won't be ranking him, but if we did, I'd give him a one, probably. <laughs> so, um, and then Jamie Foxx, who I think is a really good actor. Like, I actually really, really like Jamie Foxx. Um, I just think the writing and directing, in a sense, really kind of screwed him over here. It didn't really show his full talents that he can, uh, provide as an actor for Electro. Um, I also, it's also kind of the thing where whenever, I think in a lot of Jamie Foxx's movies, they're like, okay, let's kind of put a weird hairstyle on Jamie Foxx and just <laughs> go with it. And it's just, I mean, they do the same thing with Woody, Woody Harrelson in movies. <laughs> um, it's not just Jamie Foxx um, that they do, that movies do it with, but it's just, I, so, I like Jamie Foxx. Um, it's just, as Electro, the writing really doesn't do him justice. So, I actually really like Jamie Foxx for Electro. I mm. just don't like him for this version of Electro. Yeah. Um, I, Jamie Foxx is a fantastic actor, but uh, he's got so much more depth than the character that we were given. Mm-hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that they just didn't utilize him in the way that they should have. Um, I do 
like that they had some in, some of Jamie Foxx's influence on the musical tracks, which is cool. I always love to see the way that uh, actor musicians um, have an effect on the music of the movies that they're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can agree. And, like, I really hope if, like, this... Technically, The Hollywood Reporter confirmed it, but if they actually do bring back Jamie Foxx in MCU Spider-Man 3 as, like, a different version of Electro, like, I'm actually up for that because I do want to see Jamie Foxx reach, like, his full potential that they can give him. Um, So, I'm actually excited. I actually kind of do... Out of all the villains that they've kind of teased, I actually would be up... The, I might be up the most for seeing more Jamie Foxx's Electro, just a different version. So, um, and then finally we'll do the we'll talk about uh, this as well in our villain rankings later. But Dane DeHaan as Harry Osborn, uh, this version of the Green Goblin, and I I wanted to like Dane DeHaan as Harry Osborn. Like I thought I was like when it started when like they brought Harry in and I was like, I, I want to like this. And, you know, I'd seen bits and pieces before, um, of it, but it just, I don't know. It just kind maybe it's just how Harry ends up. And there's just something wrong with what happens. And so I guess that's kind of how I feel about it. But yeah, I, um, I mean, I like this storyline. Mm-hmm. The Green Goblin. Um, I, I definitely like that we got a different version of Harry. Like, not even just a different like character out of him, mm-hmm. but a different version of Harry. Um, but as far as the acting choice, I think Dane DeHaan played this uh, Harry Osborn pretty well. Uh, I liked the way that he was able to transition from um, his character at the beginning of the movie into kind of the... Uh, arrogant asshole corporate um leader um i I like the acting choice i think it was a solid cast yeah my again might have just been the writing of how they chose to make him at the end of the movie and i that i didn't like but that's just how i feel about this movie so i i will chalk it up to bad writing more than i will the actor again yeah I, i like the actor not so much the character Right. And it, it can be really difficult to separate those two things sometimes. Um, I, I've read accounts from actors of how uh, people will often interact with them as though they're their characters. Yeah. Um, like, a lot of people fail to see actors as separate people, especially if they consistently play villains. Like, you might then have a negative opinion of the person playing those villains. Right, and that's, I know Josh, Gabe, and I, in our Star Wars podcast, if people have listened to that, we um, we talked about this with characters like Jar Jar Binks, and how people shit on the actor for Jar Jar Binks and didn't realize he was an actual person. So, um, so um, yeah, let's, um, I guess we'll talk more about Green Goblin when we get to the rankings, um, or Harry Osborn. So let's touch on Gwen's death and kind of the impact. And I think this is the best scene in the movie at the end of it being like, well, you know, like we think, you know, oh, Spider-Man's going to save his, his, you know, girlfriend or his love interest. And then when her head hits the ground and her neck snaps and it's just like, wait, he didn't save her. And I think that was very well done. 
Yeah, I think um, one fantastic scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole clock tower battle was done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one thing that Sony did better than uh, than Marvel Studios did was mm-hmm. the way that they did character deaths uh, or a character death. Um, granted, uh, Marvel Studios did it well with Black Widow and Iron Man, mm-hmm. but. Um, they succeeded with Gwen Stacy here, where Marvel Studios failed with Quicksilver and Agent Coulson. Mm-hmm. They had the character long enough to get attached to them and for them to meaningfully impact our main protagonist. But they were killed at an early enough point to where we lost some of the potential for what could have been. Right. Um, it was a very well-placed plot point. The only thing I wanted out of it was for it to have been earlier in the movie um, so that we could have gotten more character development out of Peter after her death. Um, I don't just want a flash forward to five months later. I want to see him actively decide not to be Spider-Man anymore. And then I want to see what is it that finally pulls him out of that dark place that he's now in to actually get him into being Spider-Man again. Right. I agree with that, and um, I guess last, I guess I can't really think of anything else I wanted to say. I think we kind of hit the nail on the head with everything with uh, Gwen Stacy's death and the impact. Um, the only other thing plot point was that they're really setting up the Sinister Six, or they were trying to. Sony was trying to build their own universe with starting with Amazing Spider-Man, and now they're trying to do it again with venom and morbius and stuff but um but you know i uh i i i think that uh i think they, they were trying to play catch up with marvel studios and i mean it, it just shows like where sony failed is that they're trying to build things up way too fast um and uh, we're gonna see this with we see this with DC as well with the DCU. They tried to do Justice League after three movies and that completely bombed. So yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree with you, Jake. Um, Sony did a better job of it with these two movies in the build up than they did in Spider Man Three. Yeah. Um, because Spider-Man 3, they threw three villains into that movie and then tried to develop them all within that movie. Right. In Amazing Spider-Man 2, at least with Rhino, they brought him in, introduced him, and then left him as the uh, plot point for the next movie. Which I, I agree with. I'm not super fond of the way they did Rhino. Um, I would have preferred we didn't see him at the beginning of the movie at all. Mm-hmm. And rather just got like just a touch of him at the end of the movie. But... Um, they also kind of built into this a little bit with the first movie uh, post-credit scene because the guy running behind the scenes building the Sinister Six is the same guy who was in the shadows, I think, talking to the lizard in the really? post-credit scene. Uh, to me, it seemed like it, it, it. There's really no way to confirm it. Yeah, I would not be surprised for it to be the same person. Um, they have roughly the same build. And it felt like the same voice, too. Yeah, I had no idea who was trying to set this up. Because I was like, okay, well, who are they trying to tease here? And I I couldn't... I had no idea what they were trying to do So with who it was. So, um, But they still, with this movie, 
had the same problem they had with Spider-Man 3. They took, um, the Electro was fine. Electro's development throughout the whole movie um, was not rushed at all. Harry's development got rushed at the very end. Like, up until his final fight as Green Goblin, it was fine. But then they did the same thing they did with Venom. And mm-hmm. I, just, I don't understand why they're repeating their mistakes. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Um, so, um, then I guess let's touch on our cameos and our Easter eggs now. Um, our Stanley cameo is towards the beginning at the graduation. Stanley sees Peter, uh, in his Spider-Man garb as he's, uh, trying to get to graduation. And Stan says, hey, wait, I know that guy. And I think it's just perfect Stanley of being the only one to realize who Peter Parker is and nobody paying attention to him. <laughs> um... And then Easter eggs. Um, I have Electro's cake when Max Dillon takes the cake out of the fridge. It is green and yellow, which is Electro's suit colors in the comics. Um, oh, okay. Which I did not pick up on that. Yeah, and it has lightning bolts on it, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, then Itsy Bitsy Spider when Electro is hitting Spider-Man into the electric... Um, pulls and it's playing itsy bitsy spider which is what green goblin willem dafoe did in the first spider-man and it's something that spider-man really really hates because he says i hate that son uh and i thought that was a, that was a funny moment um we already talked about the sinister six uh they do several mentions of the daily bugle in this movie with like the emails and stuff and there is an email from J. jonah jameson to peter um, so that is pretty cool. Um, if only we would have gotten J.K. Simmons back in this. Um, and then the ringtone on the cell phone is the Spider-Man song from the 60s show, I believe. Um, which they've really liked. Yeah. into these movies. <laughs> uh, the Raimi trilogy as well. <laughs> yep. And the final thing that I had which I thought was really interesting. Felicity Jones, who, by the way, Josh and Gabe and I are going to be talking about her in Star Wars Rogue One this week, which is going to be interesting um, that I saw her in this movie as well, and then I watched rewatched Rogue One. Um, but uh, Felicity Jones, they her name in this movie is Felicia. They are teasing Black Cat. Um, oh. And I, I looked that up, and I found that really, really interesting because Felicia Hardy is the name of Black Cat. Um I, 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 me, not so much, just because I'm not, like, a big comic book aficionado, but mm-hmm. I know Black Cat is something that Spider-Man fans are dying for. Right. Um, I, I think that adding the, not in uh, Spider-Man, uh, whatever our next home movie is, but, uh, like, after that, bringing Black Cat would be really cool. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to talk about Black Cat when we talk about the Insomniac Spider-Man, so um, so that, that was just interesting after having played Insomniac's Spider-Man and knowing who Black Cat was. Um, uh, then, uh, let unless you had anything, JJ, we can get to our rankings. Uh, yeah, I have a couple. Um, I didn't take the time to research these because I actually just watched uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 this morning. I'm mm-hmm. still on vacation in Alabama. Yeah. But um, uh, in the Oscorp files, when um, Harry is looking on his 
uh, on his desk at the special projects. There, I know there are some uh, Easter eggs in there, and there are also some Easter eggs in the uh, in the labs when we see the special projects. One, namely, is the tentacles for Doctor Octopus, um, which were next to the Rhino suit and Vulture's uh, wing pack as well. So they're really playing hard into the Sinister Six idea mm-hmm. um, on this movie. Um, but that's really all I had for our Easter eggs. All right. Um, so we'll get into our rankings. So I'll read off the villain rankings and the Spider-Man movie rankings. And then we will do we will put Andrew Garfield next to Tobey Maguire and compare them. So we'll get to our villain rankings first. So far, at number one, Doc Ock, Alfred Molina, is at a 5.3, followed by Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin at a 5.05. Uh, and then number three is Sandman, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, 4.25. Then James Franco's New Goblin at a 3.6. Um, then Venom from Spider-Man 3 at a 3.38. And in last place for now is The Lizard from Amazing Spider-Man at 2.9. So, um, so now we have Electro, Jamie Foxx. So you kind of changed my mind a little bit with Electro. So I, I boosted it up, uh, from what I previously had it. So I, I just, it was kind of the writing. They didn't utilize, as I said, they didn't utilize Electro as much as they should have. Um, I kind of had an issue with like, well, why is, why does he all of a sudden get really mad at Spider-Man? Like I, I guess because Peter's being kind of a jerk to, like, everyone in this movie, because he's being a jerk to Harry, I guess he doesn't give Max recognition when he comes to try to help him, um, or something, I, that's what I gathered, um, I give Electro a 2.5 now, I think that, I just had some issues with the writing where they left it, I just didn't really, I guess if you want, if you had something to where you think that um you kind of can bring some more understanding for me as to why he's like all of a sudden upset at spider-man after being like a big fan of his but yeah 2.5 for me for now um i think 2.5 is a fair ranking from you and a lot of people would agree with you or even put electro lower mm-hmm. um i'm gonna rank electro uh fairly higher i'm gonna say 3.7 um, and the big reason why is because I like, uh, Electro as a contender for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, uh, like seemingly much more powerful than Spider-Man is. One thing I really love about this duo of movies is the villains they bring against him are more powerful and he has to beat them with wit, um, which is a really a good aspect. As far as his progression of motivations, mm-hmm. um, I the problem with presenting human-like things in non-human ways is that we have a tendency to compare them too much to ourselves. And I'm not saying that Electro is unhuman or that Max's character is unhuman, mm-hmm. um, but he uh, he has. Um, some sort of mental handicap, which is fine, but the rules of that aren't explained. 
we aren't told this is why he feels this way about these things. This is why he draws these conclusions mm-hmm. uh, from these actions. And without being given those rules, all we're doing is comparing his behavior to how we ourselves would behave. And it makes it really hard for us to understand his motivations. So I'm not saying that his motivational progression was bad. It just wasn't explained in a way that we can relate or understand right. to it, which makes it hard to see it as natural. Um, so I'm going to stand by my 3.75 because I really do like Electro. Um, I loved the fight scenes, but he can't be hired because the motivation isn't explained well. Yeah, that's my biggest issue with this. Yeah, I just, I didn't get it. I think I'll stick with my 2.5. Uh, that gives it a 3.1, um, which makes him higher than the Lizard, um, but lower than Venom. Um, and we'll see right now where Dane DeHaan's Green Goblin ranks. And I, like I said, I really wanted to like Harry Osborn in this movie, but then when he ends up as the Green Goblin, like right at the very end, I just, I, I don't know if it was just I didn't necessarily like the design or whatnot. I guess I prefer what they did with Willem Dafoe and they just gave him a flight suit that I thought I I honestly liked a little bit better uh, or a lot a lot more um I I don't want to give it a, him a terrible ranking I'll give this is kind of low but I'm gonna give Dane DeHaan's Green Goblin a 1.5 I I just I didn't really care for him at the end of the movie it just didn't it just is hard to with the way it, it's written and how it ends up. And I guess that's my lowest ranking I've ever given anything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that I'm, I'm open to chain to moving it up, but that's where I put it for now. Uh, I'm going to rank this green goblin. Uh, I want to say a 3.1, um, just better than half. For much the same reason that I rated Venom around uh, half in Spider-Man 3. Um, I liked his progression throughout the movie until he became Green Goblin, just like you're saying. Um, Once he became Green Goblin, everything was way too rushed for that point. Um, We got one three to five minute fight scene with him. um, Yeah. And... Like, his motivations at that point make sense, but, like, they didn't really explain very well that the suit is the fix for him being in, uh, or him suffering from the the, uh, initial flare-up of his disease from the um, spider venom. And that whole thing isn't really just, is not very well explained. It's messy the way they turn him into Green Goblin, and then... I don't know. I I don't like his fight with Peter that much. Um, I I do like the clock tower scene. Um, not to contradict myself, I like the way that the gears break and Emma, or sorry, uh, not Emma, Gwen Stacy falling. Right. Uh, the actual fight between Spider Man and Green Goblin is just kind of meh. Right. So agreed. One I think is fair. And I think one point five might be a little low, but. You do you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's even lower than I put Malekith from Dark World, so... 
I'm gonna stick with it though. I just didn't really like how it turned out. And I guess if we're ranking villains, like I really liked James Franco uh, in Spider-Man Three, but that was more so like for his performance after you know he he started his redemption arc, and not necessarily when he was actually the villain at the beginning of the film. So that's why I put him lower when we did Spider-Man 3. So if I'm just going off of, I guess, what happens at the end when he actually becomes Green Goblin, I don't... I'm going to stand by my ranking for that. Um, Also, like, at the end when, you know, the dude recruiting him for the Sinister Six and he, you know, he's completely normal and I guess it's just, oh, it comes, it goes. I mean... I guess... I don't agree with that either. (laughs) Yeah, it just was weird to me um, to all of a sudden have him look completely normal after his really crazy transformation. Um, So, yeah, I'm... And it's nothing against the actor either. It's just the fact of how he was written at the end. So I'm going to give him a... I'm going to stick with that 1.5. And with your 3.1, it's a 2.3. So he is the lowest Spider-Man villain. And I imagine that will stay there. Um, Maybe? I can't really think of anything that would go lower. But... um, I don't see any reason for anything to go lower. Yeah. Um... So, then we'll go into the movies. Um, at number one, we have Spider-Man 2 at a 4.65. Um, then we have the first Spider-Man at a 4.25, followed by the first Amazing Spider-Man at a 3.5, and Spider-Man 3 uh, does its emo Peter Parker dance in the last place with a 3. For now. <laughs> um, oh, man. So, Amazing Spider-Man 2, I had a lot of problems with this. I don't Again, too many plot points. The villains were written sloppily. I think that, like I said in the beginning, with just that those cuts and edits with like Spider-Man swinging, like they did not look right to me for some reason. When in the first one, I think they looked so much better, which is weird. I just I don't know. I just didn't see them look as good, um, and um, but I I do. There's even worse, like, Marvel movies than Amazing Spider-Man 2, like Howard the Duck. So, I'm not going to give this a terrible ranking. I mean, I think... I'm giving this the same ranking as I gave The Dark World a 2. And it's just the fact that there's good things about it, like Gwen Stacy's death. And, um... I think we had something else that we said was good, and I can't remember it. But it, it's like dark world with like okay there's like one or two good scenes or like good things that were done in the movie to keep it from being terrible but it's not something that i will regularly go back and watch again so yeah that's why i'm giving it a two um hmm. See, I want to rate it high enough to put it above Spider-Man 3. That's fair. Amazing Spider-Man 1. But I can't justify ranking it that high. So right. So I'm just going to put my own ranking between the two of them and give it a 3.25. Okay. Um, I I didn't think this was a bad movie. Um, I think there were a lot of things that were off 
Mm -hmm. Um, but nothing to me was so off or so wrong that it just like detracted from my overall enjoying the movie. Um, the villain progressions were okay, marginal. Um, but I still liked Spider-Man. I still liked his, uh, quips. I still Mm -hmm. liked all the action scenes. Um, I, there was a lot I actually really liked about the movie, but it's, like, it's just, like, off a lot of it. So 3.25, I think, is pretty fair because it's not a great movie, but it's not a bad movie. Right. And, yeah, I can agree with that. And that's... If I if I give a movie less than a 2, that means it's just... There's, like, nothing redeemable about it. Um, so a 2 is for the fact that there are at least some redeemable things. Um... So that gives it a 2.63 is officially the worst Spider-Man movie, and I don't think that will change. I doubt it. <laughs> I, I really don't think that will change. Um, I don't even think Venom will go this bad, and, and there's some flaws with Venom, but I still find that movie enjoyable enough. Um, but uh, let's get into our final thing for tonight. Uh, the Spider-Man, right now we have Tobey Maguire sitting at a 4, which might upset the toby fans who are like oh you should have a five or something or um either we're gonna get really controversial here or or we're gonna do what people might want us to do i don't know so for andrew i agree i think he i don't relate to him as peter parker i don't see him as like I don't think, like, I think his acting carries him, but in terms of looks, he doesn't look like Peter Parker remind me of what Peter Parker should be, but I think his acting, and I do, um, and, like, I think that definitely carries it, and his relationships with some of the other characters, um, and his quippiness as Spider-Man is perfect, though, and his, uh, his ability to invent his own, uh, equipment, um, with, like, how they show his intelligence there, um, in the first one. Um, I thought that was very well done. Um, but it's just like, I mean, I'm so open to putting this above Toby, but I feel like Toby, through the first two Spider-Man films, we got two, like, at least pretty good Spider-Man films out of Spider-Man 1 and 2. And then, you know, Amazing Spider-Man is good, but then Amazing Spider-Man 2 kind of drags, like, Toby, like, Spider-Man 3 kind of dragged Toby a little bit. So, I'm going to give Andrew a 3.5, but if you can convince me that he's better than Toby, I'm open to moving it up. <laughs> uh, I'll just take care of that for you. I'm going to give uh, Andrew a 4.6. That that should put us just above Toby anyway. Okay. Um, I... Uh, oh gosh, ranking the Spider-Mans is so controversial because everybody has their favorites. Yeah. I, purely on acting, um, mm-hmm. makes Andrew Garfield a better Spider-Man to me than Tobey Maguire ever will be. Um, if I could have Spider-Man 3's Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker and Spider-Man in all three of those movies, then there would be no contest. Um my only two problems with Andrew Garfield and the reason I'm not ranking him higher is that uh, the way that they play off as Spider-Man, he's a little bit too cool Mm -hmm. to be Peter Parker. Agreed. And he doesn't have the looks for Peter Parker. But I love the science-y side. I love the resourcefulness. 
um, the way that, like, is resourcefulness, especially during fights. Um, and I, I love his quips. I love his fighting. There's a lot I really, really like about Andrew Garfield, so. You know what? You've convinced me on this one. I'm going to give Andrew a 4.1, and this is going to upset Toby Fan so much. Because <laughs> we both gave Toby a 4, and now we're we're both giving Andrew higher. Um, so 4.1 plus 4.6 uh, divided by 2. That is a 4.35 for Andrew. Um, okay. So, and I assume... So... Uh, I did want to say that with the future Spider-Mans, uh, I'll be teasing what we're doing next week, but we will, like, into the Spider-Verse, we will be ranking all those Spider-Men, so we'll kind of see how that goes compared to Andrew and Toby, um, uh, and how we're going to fairly try to rank that, but, um, and then obviously we're going to get to Tom Holland with the MCU, but, uh, yeah, so Andrew is above Toby, and, uh, I cannot wait for the people that are Toby fans to start uh, telling us we have to rethink our rankings. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, this is awesome. We've gotten through two versions of Spider-Man, but uh, we're not done with our Spider our Spider Verse uh, coverage. So next week, starting the new year, um, JJ and I will be doing Into the Spider Verse. We'll be talking about Miles Morales. We'll be putting Miles on the board. Um, his story will be putting Peter B. Parker on the board. We'll be putting Nicolas Cage's Spider-Man Noir on the board. We'll be putting John Mulaney's Spider-Ham. Um, Gwen Stacy, <laughs> um, voiced by Haley Steinfeld, who is playing Kate Bishop in the MCU now. Um, we will be putting Penny Parker on the board as well. And I believe Chris Pine's Spider-Man we could put on the board because the one who dies, um, which is pretty interesting that we're going to talk about Chris Pine, uh, the fourth Chris <laughs> of Hollywood, uh, is in a Marvel movie at least. So um, even though it's not the same universe, but uh, we will talk about all of that in Spider-Verse. And I'm sure we're both very excited because we're getting to talk about a much better movie than we talked about tonight. Um so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then we'll do Venom and then Insomniac Spider-Man. Um, and then our Spider-Verse for now will be complete. But uh, And then over on the Star Wars side, Josh and Gabe and I will be talking Rogue One this week. Um, and we'll maybe figure out something in our lead up to our uh, WandaVision coverage in a couple weeks, but we'll kind of talk about that. Um, so unless you had anything else, JJ, to take us out of this, uh, do you have anything else before we sign off? Nope, I am good. All right, well, we'll see you guys next week for Into the Spider-Verse on Tribe of Nerds.